There you go. All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. All right, if you're new, my name is Obed. I'm one of the leaders here, um, along with Dan, Jeremy. We have the joy um, of being able to provide leadership, vision, all of that for this church. Um, how did you guys find a breakfast? Yeah, is that good? All right, I'm glad. Thank you, Taylor and her team, for like providing us with breakfast. Um, don't get used to it. It's not going to be every Sunday, but you know, <laughs> once in a while. Uh, we do have um, some appetizers on a Sunday, but it's not as um, elevated or as like grand as we had it this Sunday. But if you are new, welcome. Again, I'm Obed and one of the leaders here. Um, this is our final installment of our um, series, our Advent series. And we kicked off the series by looking at um, um, hope. And then the week following, we looked at um, <laughs> peace. And then last week was love. And then this week, we're going to be focusing on joy. I nearly forgot the like trajectory then. You know, because, you know, with the Advent themes, people do it all different. We decided to go with hope, peace, love, joy. Um, so welcome. Grab your Bibles. Turn to um, the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. This week, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, um, which is one of the stories in the Gospels of the birth of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Lovely. All right, as is always is our custom in our effort to honor God's word, may you please stand for the reading of it. And so Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through to 21. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through to 21. I'm going to read it and follow along as I read. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David." to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him with swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the, their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Awesome. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for these opportunities that come about annually, once a year, for us to really Um, take these long winter breaks and reflect deeply on the Christmas story, on the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, God, I pray for this season. As we reflect, give us a new and fresh understanding that would shape the way we live in the new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. <clears throat> Last year, um, Netflix, Netflix released a reality series titled Sparking Joy with Mary Kondo. In this three-episode series, Mary Kondo, who is a Japanese organizing consultant, um, what she does is she takes her life-changing organizational skills a step further um, to help three deserving businesses organize their workplaces. In the series, what Marie does is that she helps a family organize a thriving organic garden center with the hope that the process will free up the time and space they need to reconnect. She also helps a cafe owner um, become organized. She had a chaotic home office, and Marie goes in and helps her get organized. Marie also works with a group to tidy an old church building. And Marie achieves these, um, or helps these organizations get organized, by using a method she calls Marie, This method encourages tidying by categories, not by location. It, it begins with clothes, then moves on to books, papers, miscellaneous items, and then finally, sentimental items. The goal of this method is to keep only those things that spark joy in your heart. And so with each item, what you've got to do is hold it up and ask yourself, 
does it spark joy? If it does, you keep it. If it doesn't spark joy in some way, what you've got to do with this item is thank it for being part of your life and then donate it to Goodwill or trash it, okay? So as I was thinking about this show and her books and her whole idea of sparking joy, um, I started to think, what if we applied this same question to the Christmas holidays? As we look forward to the Christmas holidays, I want to ask you a question. And that question is, what are you looking forward to most? What is something or someone you can't wait to see or experience that will spark joy in your heart? What will make you joyful, happy, and satisfied during the Christmas season? Maybe you're looking forward to this long winter break where you get to spend quality time with family. Maybe it's opening presents, or your favorite Christmas meal, or long slow walks and hikes, or even board games, or sleeping in. What is it that you're looking forward to that you believe will fill your heart with the utmost joy this Christmas season? What's true is that these things, whatever you're looking forward to, will give you joy, will give you and fill your heart with joy. What's also true about these things is that the joy they spark in your heart will not last, but will soon flicker out. These holidays, the joys you will experience from the things you enjoy are fleeting, they are momentary, and they will not last forever. But what if there is a joy available to us that is not based on our circumstances or the season or an experience? What if there is a kind of joy available to us that is true and lasting? <clears throat> a joy that is not seasonal, but remains throughout the year. The good news is this kind of joy, believe it or not, exists, and it's available for you and I. This joy is true and lasting. It will not fade when the holidays are over, but will remain no matter what season you're in. And this indestructible joy is the joy we're going to explore this morning from the story of Jesus' birth. Shortly after Mary became pregnant, Caesar Augustus, the emperor and ruler of the Roman Empire at the time, what he did was he announced a decree to all citizens of the Roman world 
And the decree was that everyone should get registered. Look at verse 1. It reads, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. The fascinating thing about this census is that it had nothing to do with a survey of the population, but it had everything to do with making sure that people actually paid taxes to Rome. As frustrating as this was for residents in the Roman world, what made this decree even more frustrating was that the only place people could actually get registered was in their own hometown. Look at verse 4 and 5. It says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And so when the decree was announced, Joseph and Mary, who were engaged and not yet officially married, were living in the town of Nazareth. And like everyone else, they had to go back to their hometown in order to get registered. So what they did is they packed up their bags and traveled to their hometown of Bethlehem so that they can get registered. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says, while they were there... The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. King's Cross Church, as of next year in March, will be five years old. We're coming up to our Five years of existence. Yes, you can make some noise for that. All right. And what's happening, one of the most um, fun and exciting things happening in our church at the moment is that there's a bit of a baby boom, okay? (laughs) And what I mean by that is that there's an increase in how many babies are being born, especially coming up to the end of this year. We've had how many? I can't even remember. Four, five now? Five? Right? And there's more to come. Um, Today, I should have known about this, but someone mentioned to me that they were pregnant. Right? And it's so exciting. There's a bit of a baby boom. And for those couples that have recently had babies, there's always a way to announce it. Okay, um, most of the time it's a text message. Um, I think this week Eleanor got a text message that another baby had been born into our church, right? Um, some people go on social media and they announce it on Instagram with a cute picture of a baby's hand, right? Or something like that. There's so many ways that we announce the birth of a baby, There is. Celebrities do the same thing, right? They announce their babies in the most random, right? (laughs) In the most crazy way possible. Um, The birth of Jesus was announced, but it was not announced in any of the ways we announce a baby being born. 
It wasn't announced through social media or a text message or even news networks or anything like that. But the birth of Jesus was announced in a way no other birth has ever been announced before. The way Jesus' birth was announced was epic. It was announced by angelic beings, angels. A few miles from the stable where Mary was, had just given birth was a field. And this field was mostly occupied by a bunch of shepherds. And what the shepherds were doing, obviously, were taking care of their flock. Look at verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So it was late at night. It had been a long and exhausting day for these shepherds. They were tired, and the most desirable thing for them was to close their eyes and fall into a deep sleep. But... As they struggled to stay awake, they were suddenly awoken by the dazzling appearance of an angel. The presence of the angel was so electrifying and so overwhelming, so dazzling, so otherworldly. It says in verse 9, they are filled with great fear. But their fears are soon calmed by what the angel says to them. Look at verse 10. It says, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Before we go on with this story, let me just say this, okay? As a Christian, I believe that the nativity story is real, and it actually happened. Okay? It's not a, a chronicles of Narnia kind of thing, right? Like a fantasy, not, no. It's and these are historic events that actually happened. Okay? You guys have seen a bunch of nativity plays. You really have. And I think what's happening in our culture is that we are making the nativity story because there's just been so many cute plays done about them and movies and everything. We've kind of um, got to the point where we view them as just this kind of fun thing that someone made up. These are historical events. So when I'm standing here talking about angels appearing, don't imagine a cute little kid, right, in a play, okay, on a stage that is dressed as an angel. The reason why the shepherds responded in fear was because they actually saw an angel. You don't want to encounter an angel. You don't. They were, it was filled with great fear. These are some of the things that we read that remind us and help us see that the Christmas story is legit. It's real historical events that happened. And the angel said to them, verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The first thing the angel says to the shepherds is what? What's the first thing he says to them? 
Fear not yet. Be not afraid, depending on the translation. Fear not, in my translation. And he tells them to fear not because his message to them is not one of judgment, but rather it's a message that is good news of great joy. In other words, the angel is the bearer of news that is so good It produces great joy in everyone, everywhere, who hears it and believes it. What's most... Here's... Let me ask a question, okay? What would you say is the most life-giving, joyous news you've received this year? Have a think about it. Don't say it, just think about it. What's the most exciting, greatest news you've heard this year? Maybe if you're a father, it may, be, it may have been the news of the birth of your first child. As I said, there's been a baby boom, right? And hearing that there's a birth of a child is an exciting news. If you're a student... Maybe it's the best news you've heard this, you've received this year is realizing that you did your finals and you got good grades, okay? If you're a business owner or you're a realtor, you've sold homes and you heard that a home you listed and was involved in is successful, whatever it is, what would you say is the greatest news you've heard this year? Now... As amazing, as as fulfilling as this news was for you, this is what you need to know. No matter how good the news was, it does not even come close to the goodness of the news the angel announced to the shepherds. The joy you're supposed to feel because of this good news of great joy being announced by the angels to the shepherds should bring you more joy than the most joyous news you've ever received in your life. And so, what is this good news of great joy that is better than the best news you've ever received? Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. First, this good news that will give you the greatest joy is all about the birth of a child. And the reason the birth of this child is good news and calls for joyous celebrations is because of who he is and what he's come to do. In verse 11, this child is described by the angel as the Savior who is Christ the Lord. In the Hebrew scriptures, God often, God, creator of the universe, is often identified as the savior of his people. And so for this child to be identified as a savior means that through him, God will redeem his people. 
This child is also identified as Christ the Lord. Most of us here, when we hear the word Christ, we're like, oh, oh, Christ, Jesus Christ, all of that. But back then, okay, when that culture heard the word Christ, they went back to the Old Testament and translated that term as meaning anointed one. And the title anointed one was a Jewish way of saying that someone was God's king. And during the time of this announcement, the Jews had, had, had not had a king, okay? For hundreds of years, they had been waiting for the Christ. The prophets of the Old Testament talked about much about a time when God would send a great king, the Christ, to deliver Israel from oppression and restore the glories of this golden age, all of that. And so, with this in mind, when the angel is declaring to the shepherds, that the child who has just been born is in Bethlehem is actually the Christ, the Savior, the one spoken of by the prophets of old, and that he's the long-awaited Messiah, God's only king, not only of Israel, but he's the king of the world who's anointed to rule and reign in God's world with God's authority. And so, in other words, this announcement of this child being the Savior and Christ the Lord means that Jesus, listen carefully, the baby born in Bethlehem was actually God in human flesh. Let me say it again. This blows my mind. We've been doing study in the book of Hebrews. The divinity of Jesus, the idea that Jesus was God has been coming up over and over again. And the more I encounter it and the more I dive deep into reflect, it blows my mind. Let me say it again. Jesus, the baby born 2,000 years ago, okay? In the city of Bethlehem was God in human flesh. So the question I have for you is, do you believe this? In 2012, it's this New Testament scholar named Bart Ehrman. He wrote a book titled, Did Jesus Exist? The historical argument for Jesus of Nazareth. Okay? Why you need to know about Bart Ehrman, or sorry, what you need to know about Bart Ehrman, even though he wrote a book to prove that Jesus actually exists, is that currently he doesn't believe in God. Okay? In fact, this guy has made a lot of money writing books that question, all right, the historic Christian faith, okay? He has, he has, but like, he just doesn't believe in God. Um, But in this book that he writes, he says this, the reality is that whatever else you think may, whatever else you may think about Jesus, he certainly 
did exist. He goes on to say that this view, Jesus existed, is held by virtually every expert on the planet. Bart Ehrman may believe that Jesus was a real person who lived in a real city thousands of years ago. But what he doesn't believe is that the same Jesus was God. Most people whether they're atheists or agnostics or do not identify with any religion, have little or no problem with the humanity of Jesus. They don't mostly have a problem with the fact that Jesus is a real human being from a real historic and real town named Nazareth. Uh, Michael Kruger, who's an author and scholar, says this. If you have a disagreement with your non-Christian friend about the person of Jesus, it's probably about whether he was really divine, not whether he was really human. And he's absolutely right. What most people have issues with is not the fact that Jesus really existed, but what most people have issues with, and as Christians, I would say we wrestle with, is the fact that Jesus wasn't just real and human, but Jesus was God. This is what the Bible teaches this is the belief held by Christians, and this is the core doctrine of the Christian faith. And so when we look at the nativity, when we look at the birth of Jesus, what we're talking about is the incarnation of Jesus. <laughs> what the incarnation basically means is that the God of the universe became human in the person of Jesus Christ. Rico Tice, who's an Anglican minister in England, says this. When we look at Jesus, the guessing games about God stop. The God of the Bible is not someone we dreamed up. No, God has revealed himself to us. God has shown us what he's like by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the son of God made flesh the true creator of the universe in human form. And this is precisely why the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy. The birth of Jesus is good news of great joy because it's exactly when God stepped into human history. The birth of Jesus is good news of great joy because it's when God stepped into human history to dwell with us and die for us so that salvation may become available for everyone everywhere who believes. C.S. Lewis says this, one of my most favorite quotes, and it's really tiny on the screen. But listen to my reading of it. 
if you can't see it. He says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a porched egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And so how are you going to respond? To what you've heard about Jesus. Last year, I nearly ruined Christmas for my entire family. We woke up on Christmas Day. Everyone was excited. Obviously, my kids were excited. Everyone was wearing their pajamas. <laughs> there was a lot of joy filled in the air, in our room, in our living room. And Daddy comes along. And because I'm so stupid... It felt like I got a big fat needle, stuck it in the room filled with joy, and nearly allowed every joy to come out. This is what happened. I woke up, wasn't feeling too good, and I went in the living room, and everyone was opening their gifts, and I soon realized that, you know, kids had all made cards for Eleanor, Christmas cards from school. Where was Daddy's Christmas card? <laughs> they, they had, you know, bought gifts for each other, for Eleanor. Where was Dad's gift? Oh, we bought you Twix. Because you like Twix. Bought you a bag of Twix. So as you can imagine, as I was observing this, in my opinion, joyless Christmas, <laughs> I allowed what I was feeling internally to be expressed. 
to my family. I remained quiet. They knew something was up. And then, and I regret this, I said, why didn't you guys buy me anything? (laughs) It's funny now, but in the moment, I killed the vibe. (laughs) And I just went on, guys, daddy does so much for you. I work, I do this, I buy, and no one, and then I get into my head, no one loves me, no one cares, everyone hates me, no one, and I, this is Christmas Day, (laughs) y'all. I nearly ruined Christmas the entire family. This episode from our life is a reminder of just how futile the joys we pursue are. There are so many things in this world that make us happy, that give us joy, But when we think about those things, anyone or anything can cause that joy to become sadness. They are futile and they are joys that are destructible. Christmas is an interesting season because our culture wants us to experience joy, wants us to believe that this is the most wonderful time of year. But the truth is, for so many people, Christmas is not always the most wonderful time of the year, but for some, it can be the most horrible time of year. While Christmas is known as the season to be jolly, it can be for many a source of heartache, heartbreak, grief, sadness, worry, and fear. And even if you love Christmas and the holidays are the most wonderful time of the year, the excitement of Christmas will soon be over. The decorations are going to be taken down. The family will leave and head back home. And the post-Christmas period will likely leave you feeling down. Going back to the regular mundane routine of everyday life is enough to cause what is known as post-Christmas blues. And so if Christmas has the potential to have a negative effect on us, is there a solution? Is there a way for those who dread the holidays to somehow appreciate it? And is there a way for Christmas for us all to actually experience indestructible joy 
this Christmas? And I would say yes, because Jesus is the one that offers you an even better Christmas than the commercials offer. The joy and hope and peace and love Jesus offers will still be there after the carols are done, the lights have been put away, and family are no longer around. And so this Christmas, God intends Christmas to bring you joy. He does. He loves you enough to say, this Christmas, I want you to experience the kind of joy that is true, that is lasting, that will remain forever and even after this season. And this is not the joy that is sparked, but soon flickers out. But it's great joy, and joy, it's the joy Jesus offers through his life, death, and resurrection. And it's the joy of all joys. It doesn't change based on circumstances. Nothing in this world can take this kind of joy Jesus provides for us. It's a joy... Described by Tim McKee, who's a Bible teacher, as an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. And he goes on to say, Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. And so this Christmas, don't just settle for the fleeting and futile joy that comes from created things, but seek after the indestructible joy that is found in no one else but Jesus Christ himself. Timothy Keller says, God is so committed to your ultimate joy that he was willing to plunge into the greatest depths of suffering himself for you. And so this Christmas, you have a choice. What kind of joy will you pursue? May you pursue, may you run after and take time to pray and reflect on the joy God has gifted you through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And if you taste of that joy, that will be the foundational joy on which you enjoy all the good things of life on. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time you are good you are good and you have given us everything we need to live the life that you've called us to and so this Christmas may we experience your joy the joy that is found in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.